We're going to start with me and then go to you, okay? <laughs> yeah, why don't we start with you and then go to me? <laughs> okay. okay, my name is Kent Dahlgren, and this is... Ruth Glendinning. And we're going to talk about the Anti-Fragile Playbook. Because we're anti-fragile, and we want you to be, too. <laughs> yes. So, good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Kent. It's been quite a July so far. It has indeed. I'm actually kind of ready to jump right into it. Um, yeah. Well, so, uh, we had um, started this whole journey... Um, because we're setting out to write an anti-fragile playbook and the, and the emphasis on anti-fragility is um, because um, it's our supposition that when you embrace anti-fragile principles, a system will improve while it's under stress. It actually um, it really transcends mere resilience, right? And, um, and we've, I mean, we've, we talked a lot about how the designs we're putting into making sure that's the case, right? And, uh, and then we had the snowpocalypse on uh, actually 214, 2021, and, uh, um, and that actually um, accelerated our, our plan. And then we looked back and we were like, okay, well, well, we have to kind of, we need to understand how that happened because without any infusion of cash, we actually, the plan leapt forward in response mm-hmm. to the snowpocalypse, right? And and so then we actually just went through that again. You said it's been quite a July. That's truth. We actually just went through it again. And this time we're a lot more mindful of it. Is it actually, mm-hmm. we, um, uh, uh, it's actually the second time we've gone through uh, a pretty significant series of setbacks and yet the plan actually accelerated. And, um, and this is what um, we were going to talk about is that like we, um, um, you know, we had explicitly said that if you embrace um, the soft capitals of attention, just, you know, pay attention, build relationships, invest time, um, uh, build trust, and then sort of, you know, really tap into that wisdom portfolio. You can really expand what you're doing without necessarily having money. Although it is our supposition that by unlocking that soft capital, you get hard capital. But then last Mm -hmm. night we spoke, we spoke about, well, the additional quality of faith and kind of giving a framing on that, because what we haven't shared at all yet is actually what's happened. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, I wanted to do that as an opening because it's sort of the thing that really stuck out for me is that, you know, again, we went through a lot of hard stuff and this is actually what will happen with activists. They'll, they'll experience life will be life. You know, you'll have setbacks and, um, and, and yet, um, you know, what we've experienced is that if you've invested in the foundation of anti-fragile principles, um, things can actually accelerate even while everything else is, is experiencing challenges. So I don't know if that's well, a decent hey, intro. And, and I think too, you know, and I certainly experienced this in my life and I think you probably have too, which is people are like, well, it always works out for you. You know, right. you, you're in like some special unicorn category where it just works out. Right. And what people have been able to observe because we're really present, you know, people can connect with us and we're, we tell our stories and we have conversations and, and I want you to be sure and talk about your interview with Pam, you know? Um, oh yes. It, Thank you. I'll write that down. Seeing, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're seeing that we're being, we're sharing our vulnerability. Yes. You know, for me, this, this first two weeks has of July is like, I couldn't have pictured it, you know, I had an idea and it was completely different, which I think everyone can relate to is that you have a theory and then there's practice. And so, um, for me, you know, I was set to, um, I was all moved into my temporary place until my new place was ready. And as soon as I got everything moved to the temporary place, my, uh, now former housemate told me that she had COVID. 
Right. And I'm like, okay. So, and the place I was moving into, well, she was a medically fragile person. You know, she had more susceptibility to it. So I couldn't move in there. And so my choice was I had to get tested. And then that was a whole journey trying to find the right the free test, which right. those things aren't free, by the way, read the fine print. Right. And, um, but I was, I was sharing this journey online. You know, I was just right. like, this is what's happening. And it was, and so I was um, kind of what I jokingly call high-end homeless for a couple of weeks, you know, where right. I had to depend on my network of support to support me. And right. they showed up in ways that were just amazing. No, it was a spectacular example of abundance, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and also that people want to find a way to be part of something good. Yes. They want to, they want to invest in you in whatever way they can. And right. explicitly people who showed up and helped and offered without being asked said, you know, I just want to, you're doing good work and, and you're kind of holding the, the light for some, for us, you know, like you're showing us a path forward. I want to help in the way I can. Right. And so that they, they invested in this journey because you know what? Everyone has had crazy things happen. Everyone has unexpectedly been exposed to something that they didn't think was going to happen. Right. And you have to be nimble. You have to flex and flow. Right. And you still have to take care of yourself, you know, your physical self on the planet. Right. You know, it's not just all floating in on clouds, you know, with unicorns. It's like right. not like that at all. So I think that what this did is it actually humanized the experience. Right. You know, where it that, that instead of talking this theory, it's like, hey, let me explain practice for two weeks. And it was pretty phenomenal. And I'm still, you know, I'm in my, my new place and it's it's like exactly what I need right now. And it's back in it's in the same neighborhood. And actually I live closer to you and Trudy, so it's right. like even better. Right. And um, but it it didn't stop all the other work that needed to happen. I still wrote 14 poems in 14 days, you know, right, and right. Um, had conversations with new funders who have shown up. And these are people who are, you know, they're just awakening to the potential mm -hmm. to, and, and to the, to the story that if we take care of the roots, we can grow a shared future. Right. So it's exciting. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, um, you know, uh, uh, Trudy and I share a vehicle and the, uh, the thing broke down and, um, and we didn't have the money to get it fixed. And so then I had to fix another vehicle to get the resources necessary to fix our vehicle. And actually, I can do that. I mean, I'm actually pretty handy in that regard. Um, but in each of those steps, um, I, I mean, it just actually propelled us forward because what we haven't actually talked about even still is how much we've actually accelerated the plan because it's mm -hmm. our stated intention to, because we could just write this book and release it, but it's actually our stated intention to do a couple of things that are sort of above and beyond. Like the anti-fragile principles were introduced in a book by an author and it's a decent book, but it actually doesn't tell you how to do it. And that is a little troublesome for me from a scientific perspective, because if you're going to present an idea, you've got to have it um, presented in a way that people can replicate the results, right? So um, so we set out to say, let's actually go out of our way to create a playbook that people can follow and with steps that actually can be repeated. And let's use it on ourselves. So it has some, some basis of authenticity. So we're actually um, set out to launch a community within our own within our own community. And as it turns out, we have two 
actually that's that's actually what happened literally last night is it was basically the kickoff of not just one but two um pilot communities uh here in austin and and there's like a whole other quality on this this is a thing i was thinking about this morning ruth i got it written down um i wrote one two three seven and and the one is i've been i've been <laughs> i hate to say the word obsessed because it's that's not the right word but i have been um fascinated by the idea that you might one might be able to create a way for people to reclaim their agency and their dignity um uh on their terms provided they're not stepping on the um you know the free will of others and i've been at this like for 30 years right i mean this has been a fascination of mine for a very long time and so i'm 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 that one and periodically i'll partner up with others but it's but they don't usually don't stay the course right um, because they're more interested in the side project rather than the recipe necessary to help other, other people unlock this. Right. So, so I'm looking at the number one I've written down and that's like 30 years. And then there's two. And that's actually when I encountered, um, Trudy, that was actually, uh, a little over, uh, it's about, well, it's a little over three years ago. So it's right. interesting because we went, we compressed from when we went from one to two on finding another person that was more interested in sharing the recipe than the actual results. That's the thing I'm talking about here that that compressed 30 years into three years if you think about it that's fascinating and then we went to three uh a little over a year ago 18 months ago <laughs> and that's you mm -hmm. so we went from um we went from 30 to three to 18 months and and that that's going from one to two to three and then last night we went to seven um i mean I, like you speak in terms of it being exponential regularly but that's mm -hmm. actually um, that sort of pinches my brain a little bit because actually our stated intention, what we would do next is not go, you know, we're not going to follow, you know, uh, exponential, basically things don't scale necessarily very well. And that's actually our explicit design is not to go up to a bazillion people here. Our, our stated intention is actually to have our next event be two separate events with about right. five to seven people each, which, um, is like a next level multiplier because in each one of these phases we're, we're investing in creating a foundational sense of ownership and stewardship and, and and all of that and that's actually a significant progress considering everything that just happened and that's that's kind of what we're talking about and like yet again we had a series of challenges and yet we burst through a membrane so to speak on really extraordinary terms and uh i'm, well, I'm amazed and, and, and I think that speaks to something we talk about a lot is you can only rise as high as you root deep. Right. And that's what we're doing is that we are rooting deep. We're building out that root right. web, those capillaries, you know, down to the nth level where uh, everybody can find their way in, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's one of the problems with these big visions people have of how it's going to be, whether it's singularity or whatever. Right. There's no room to just kind of give it a, you know, a few steps and then take your breath and then go in a few steps further. Right. You know, like to, to, um, it, it, it feels very all or nothing. Right. And, um, and that's always been difficult for me, uh, because it's like, well, but, but what if I get halfway through here and I find out that the real story, right. you know, you got to trust people to invest in you. That you have to trust people and, and and that's that's tapping into that vulnerability capital yeah yeah is is be honest about who you are and how you got there and your vision of what's next and 
the the fact that you like we all we both experienced in our spheres in the last couple of weeks it might be completely different you have yeah. to be nimble you have to be flexible right. and uh and respectful of people's readiness to receive right their capacity and and i think that so many of the slick uh top-down solutions they just you know there there's no room for your individual uh, contribution and right. ways of meaning and so what we're looking at is as we're weaving this fabric we want the bumps you know we want the nubs we want the stuff that doesn't seem like it fits anywhere right because as it engages with these other elements its gift emerges right you know? that that suddenly you find out that somebody's a brilliant chef or that they find their their grandmother's uh you know knitting and discover that they have a whole history doing something already and right. so I, I like the way that this is emerging and i'm, I'm not surprised it's exponential because kind of everything is speeding up right as we uh as as more is revealed but right. you've got to trust people to make the choice because you know they they need to opt in at as it works with their real life you know uh -huh. we're not saying abandon what you're doing and do this which i feel like a lot of the solutions that have been presented uh do is but, is they say like let go of everything you know and trust us and you're like well i don't know that that seems like a lot to ask right. well you are you are speaking though of, of faith and and, and i want to yeah. be really clear about the word i'm using here because a lot of people will misuse the word or, or rather when I say the word faith, they think I'm talking about religion. I'm actually not. What I'm talking about is having the confidence to leap into something without assurances that it's going to work out. And so I had kind of rolling, rewinding a little bit when it was the snowpocalypse, right? When basically Texas had extraordinary snow and there was an estimated, now they believe it was about 750 people that died during that. Um, we uh, did not shrink away from it. I mean, we were literally charged right into battle. That's I mean, literally what we did, if you think about it, um, we uh, rallied the resources, we rallied the community. Um, and it wasn't because there was any question, it was just the right thing to do. And, 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 and think about how that how that actually activated the different forms of, of soft capital, because we had gone out of our way to say, if you invest in forms of soft capital, like pay attention to the things around you, it doesn't cost you any money, but at least pay attention, which means you might have to stop paying attention to other things, for instance, right? And build relationships and invest time so you can build trust, right? So um, anyway, so one of the things that we realized this time around is how much faith really fuels and activates those. And faith, what that means is really just jumping wholehearted into it. So when it was snowy, we jumped wholehearted. It. So like the girls and I, for instance, we would make, you know, basically just one run after the other into the neighborhood to give out reflective blankets, water filtration, um, tablets and straws and, and food, just stuff that I had brought from Oregon for earthquake preparedness. And then, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I shared on the podcast, but um, months later, a woman came and knocked on the door and she gave four dollars that she had because she wanted she finally had enough extra money that she wanted to pay back and what we got from that of course is a relationship which is great and um um and you know was the straw and the filth and the reflective blanket worth more than four dollars maybe in a retail context but it certainly was worth more to me that we now have a relationship with somebody right and uh so likewise um of all the things that have happened in the last few weeks we have not 
been dissuaded from our plan. In fact, we leaned into it because we believed, right? We believe. And, and I, my definition of faith is belief plus action without any assurance that it's going to work out. And, and we believe in this. And, and I believe in it because I've been at it my entire adult life. And I finally have a team that cares more about the recipe that will teach others how to do it than the outcome, right? It's like this whole journey, it's been, you know, we'll be, we'll be, stumbling upon this amazing thing like the Burnside project and, and have not been able to tell people previously, if we could just focus on the recipe, we will have one of these successes after another. And they're just interested in the outcome. They're not interested in the recipe, but y'all are interested in the recipe, which is fabulous. And in that manner, we went from one over 30 years to two over three years to three, 18 months to seven, um, uh, which was just actually not even half of that. Um, so yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's the activation potential, the, the energetic energy that comes from faith, which is, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded by it, honestly. Um, so she's, well, and I, I think too, that, that one of the gifts that we can all do at no cost whatsoever that we can share with people is recognition of value. Right. And that is something that people don't hear a lot. And, you know, you and I have been in just doing the work for a long time right. because it's, it's the foundational work that needs to be done. Right. So that, so that when these, 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 op, these, uh, this attention capital comes our way, it's because there's something solid and real there. And right. it's not about us. You know, uh, one of the poems I wrote recently, it, it, one of the, the lines was, we know we'll be lost to history, but we still unravel the mysteries. Right. That is that is that is our work. Now right. it's great to be recognized. You know, fantastic. And what I have found is the more I recognize others, then that comes back to me tenfold. Indeed. And people recognize me recognizing others. So I feel like this is a good time to talk about Pam. <laughs> oh, I know. It was a great segue. Actually, I have the notes sitting right in front of me. I am um, pretty actively involved in a in a group of. Um, uh, activists and a lot of what we end up doing our core, core purpose is to help others be more more effective within citizen journalism and activism and anyway in that context we have uh, invested a lot into sharing surfacing best practices and sharing them broadly across a lot of different circles so along the way I ended up interviewing um, a, a woman named Pam Fitzgerald she's 67 years old um, she's uh, with Elders for Ancient Forest. She was with the Raging Grannies. <laughs> I just love talking to her, by the way. It was great. She's a 50-year veteran in activism. And uh, the stuff she said, God, it was like probably one of the high points of my year is, is listening to her talk about it. She said such great things. One of them was, um, the most important person isn't the leader. It's the first follower. And, um, and, 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 and related to that, she said, you have to have the wisdom to know when to step out of the spotlight and let somebody else in and, and, and let them shine, right? And that's really, if you think about it, that's really at the heart of what we've done because I've actually got it sitting right next to me is the, is the design stuff that Kelly did, which is just extraordinary, right? Like um, that's something that we were able to showcase last night. Um, she is one of the seven that's joined now as a peer, actually, mm -hmm. um, not a subordinate. And she has um, significant agency graphic design experience. So in a previous podcast, we talked about how Ruth and Trudy Knight we got cardboard boxes and we designed hypothetical retail packaging, not because this is going to be sold retail, but because we're forcing ourselves within the communication constraints 
um, of retail to really simplify the message. But we did that so we could hand it to an actual designer. And what she created was this flyer, which I'm just astounded by the quality of it. Um, um, it has this finger pointing at, 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 right at the reader and it says, we want you. And right below it says to value your community. And it's basically like, you know, it's like basically how do you start your own little co-op? How do you start your own little collective? It's just like right there. It's fabulous. I'm really loving it. And I, and I, I could, last night I couldn't help but think that we had almost maybe inadvertently followed what, what Pam was recommending is, is um, and that's kind of what I was speaking about before. We're not trying to get a bunch of followers. We're not trying to get a bunch. I hate that term, by the way. Think about social media. They talk about followers. I don't want followers. Mm -hmm. What I want is to bring forth the people who will help others succeed. Like, that's really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the teachers and the healers, right? And um, God, I'm like, we don't need any more followers. Thank you very much. So, um, I mean, there was well, a thing. And let me, let me just add here is that, is that, that we also need to find people who already have a vision, yes. you know, an incomplete vision, right. because that's their passion project. That's their heart hustle. Right. And that I think is why we've had this exponential growth is because we're spending a lot of time listening. I know people listening to the podcast think we talk a lot, but we actually listen even more. Indeed. <laughs> and so, Indeed. Um, so that's where people want to, they opt in to this is because they're like, oh my God, you understand I have a dream. Right. And this is a way to bring it forward. So. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, if you think about, I mean, what with, with the event last night, what it was is that one of the people who came forward to help Ruth during her periods of what she calls high-end homelessness was a one woman that lives just not too far north of here. And she offered her home for a potluck. And we had talked about this in the podcast. A potluck is a great way to kick off uh, a, a community effort for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is that it serves as a metaphor. It, it, it serves as... Um, you know, the quality of the meal is a reflection of, of the love and attention that each person puts into each, each uh, uh, contribution. And, and it's also a barometer because, because if everybody just brings a bag of chips, you can, I can tell you that your collaboration isn't going to work very well. So, so she ended up um, uh, um, offering her home. We had a potluck and it actually was an amazing meal. It's actually, it had all the markers. It had more food than we needed, but it was all high quality stuff. And, and everybody was busy. Everybody was busy. You know, one of the people that attended had just come back from a trip out of state and she had her kids with her. And I've been dying to have her part of the team because she actually has experience activating um, like well over a million people over like 6,000 groups. She actually has that experience, but she, she made it there and she made an amazing dish, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, um, and so we had the markers of, of it being really, really healthy. Um, Kelly brought the, um, the flyer and it's, I'm just astounded by the quality of it because it looks like a professional did it, which is true, a professional did do it. And uh, we have a, a, an app that we can demo on um, you know, Android and desktop and, and all that. I mean, it's, that's a hell of a lot of progress, <laughs> right? And, um, mm -hmm. and this, is a heck, this is a lot of progress um, you know, the normal entrepreneurial story is a little annoying to me because it usually doesn't, doesn't properly reveal the fact that the entrepreneurs aren't really bootstrapping. It's usually like, for instance, there's this great meme I saw about like, look at all these companies that were started in a garage. And like, my question is like, who has a garage? I don't have a garage. I'm, I'm sharing this teeny place with Trudy and the girls. And we have a single computer we use. It's in the main space. And, uh, and also a lot of these entrepreneur stories are, are fueled by massive family money man we're self-funding this thing and we're doing things like fixing alternators for an old car in the texas heat just to keep things going right um mm -hmm. and um and and the wealth 
that has come forward, the abundance has been spectacular. And I actually think this is how it's going to be for most people that use this recipe because they have lives, they're normal people and they, and they, they don't have someone that's gonna write them a great big check. This is what they've got. So I'm actually really pleased with how things have come together. You know, I really like it. Well, and, and, and again, this is this is grounding the story. Yes. You know, because as we we've seen over the years, I think everybody has observed this in some way. People outside, kind of your pain circle, but they can say, "Oh, this is what you should do," or "Here's my theory about but. it." And they don't ever stop and think that maybe you already know the solution. You just need some activation support. Yes. And I, I think that um, that's one of the things that first struck me about 214 Alpha as a platform is it's a human activation tool. Right. That, that what you're doing is taking this desire for different and better. And instead of moving it you know, it, it, like people were acculturated to just kind of keep consuming the thing that's going to make us feel better or the thing that's going to make everything magically work. Right. But what it does is it takes from our natural productive desires. You know, hu humans are productive. That's why we are where, where we are. You know, they're creative, they're innovative. Right. And there was the, the founder of um, uh, Architects for Humanity uh, said that when he was given the TEDx prize, he said, well, here's what I'm gonna do is I'm going to be architecture for humanity. Um, he says, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take this million dollars you gave me and I'm gonna go back into the places of, you know, and give this to the, the people who taught me what it meant to be an architect for humanity. Right. He said, because what I've discovered, if you, wanna, if you wanna actually solve a problem, live next door to it. Right. And talk to the people who are experiencing it. No, totally. And he's, so it's, it's not that people don't know how, you know, or it, it, they have an idea of how. They absolutely know why. Right. And that's where we, we've kind of stepped away from understanding that innovation comes from the ground up. Right. You know, because it's a pain point. It's an immediate thing, you know. And, and so when you, whenever they talk about, um, there's people who can, that, that don't, that their grandmothers would come in and, and say, I'm going to look at your pantry and I'm going to make something out of this. Right. Because that's what they had to do. Right. You know, and so it's, so when we've talked about kitchen table capitalists and the head of household, male or female, sitting at their table and kind of looking at their larder and saying, okay, what do I have here? Right. They make a way forward. and. Right. What, what we're looking to do is to provide the tool, the means, you know, the framework to actually take that capital and get to this exponential point where it's kind of feeding itself right. and others. Well, I was asking Pam, I was looking at the notes. Again, she was 67, actually just spoke to her this week, 50 years of activism. And, um, and I, I said, if you could go back, you could go back to when you're 17 and, and tell yourself what you've learned along the way. What would you what would you share one of the things that she said is that burnout's a real issue people don't know when to stop and uh and that's actually what slows everything down and so she says if she could go back and tell herself something it would be to create more allies you really need more allies and mm. and and really you just need a team and this actually kind of gets back to why this has been such a central fascination of my my mind in that there's such a thing as a a, 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 a recipe for creating a highly effective team and it answers it answers um, 
basically there's a gap and people believe that centralized administration is the answer to everything it has a role but it doesn't fix everything there's there's actually a lot of there's a lot of examples of of how things could be probably solved um better a little bit closer to the ground it doesn't mean without any tie to centralized governance but it could be that maybe the centralized authority isn't doing a great job with nuance i mean that's that's the thing right so what we're wanting to do is really help these community impact organizers be successful and they might not think of themselves as a community impact organizer they might just have an idea and so like we have actually on the, i'm looking at the brochure that kelly did there's this illustration and it's carl the community organizer and he asked what's in it for me it's a decent question because he has the idea carl's got the idea and what we you know really are building for him is a is a is a playbook for how to actually how to do this and i mean really what it what it what it comes to is that you know we've got uh, a step-by-step -step plan for turning um outrage into stewardship through um community activation and it's week by week plan with worksheets and checklists it's actually pretty straightforward but the other thing i would tell carl is that the model we're using um pays for itself in nine months and doubles its investment in 12. And what that means is that even for a community of about a thousand people, you could be generating seven to nine thousand dollars a month in transaction based revenue, which might not sound like a lot, but it actually mm -hmm. could really deliver a lot of really valuable co-op based services for communities such as healthcare mm -hmm. and basic income and stuff like that. And, and the people that we were speaking with last night is actually on the other panel here of this brochure. It's Agnes, the activist, who is actually a little bit more really kind of more down in the you know um what does she need to do and that's actually the yeah. people we activated that's how we went from one to two to three to seven is actually the agnes and so um uh i see it coming together i mean i really do and um well go ahead and, and i think too you know like and, and you know because you've done hiring and you've been in large corporations and the bet what you need to do is replace yourself you know so you started out as an activist so you can recognize the signs in somebody else right and you can see who has the chops for sustainability right who's you know who's just trending through it and who's like no no like pam i'm she's 50 years in you know right that's that's somebody who's like literally this is in my dna this is what i do right and um and can offer the wisdom of as you said to not burn out Right. is to partner is to find your allies but you also need to find your successors right you need to find the people who are going to take your place so when kelly came up with those um those personas it just resonated so strongly um, right. that that you know to take the energy of activism but then to put it in a container where they're still deepening their roots and growing right so it's not like oh now here here's a safe place you don't have to you know be in the wilds anymore Right. Because it's those wilds that really drive this exponential growth. Yeah. And it's it's authentic. And we have everyone has their their stories of what didn't work because man, that's where you learn stuff. Right. Well, so and, yeah. yeah. I, I got this this picture of Agnes the activist, and it says right there under what do I have to do? It says two to five hours a week. That's a really important thing. I think it really plays mm -hmm. to the burnout aspect. Um, people need to know how much time is going to be required and what's going to be the outcome, because that's part of what contributes to burnout is, is that, that they don't know, they don't, you know, they have maybe a sense of what they need to do. They feel responsible, but they don't feel like they have the ability to affect change and they just rail against a system 
and um, and it causes so much frustration, so much anger. I um, actually part of what I do as my separate effort is that I do everything I can to get myself in the in the festering middle of 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 activists who are the most upset. And uh, and I'm fascinated by how to untie that knot because we actually spoke of that. Was it two podcasts ago? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, untying the Gordian knot with more subtlety than using a blade. I have to, you have to get into the knots. Something Ruth and I will hear us talking about all the time. And she'll say, what's new with you? And I said, oh, I got into another knot and we're just trying to untie it from within. And, and it's, it's really over and over again. It's people who feel that they're, they're doing the right thing. They really feel righteous about what they're doing. They don't consider themselves the bad guy. Um, um, and then they, then they, for some reason, sometimes they just cross a thing and they're like, screw it, I'm the bad guy. And, um, and then that becomes malignant if they're not careful. They, they're just like, you know, they're no longer an activist for righteousness. They're just the bad guy. And so, right. you know, it's, um, and there is, there's no small amount of that in this world right now. So um, again, the, the, the methodology we use for helping people through this process begins at outrage and goes to stewardship through action, through actually activation. But I've got to figure out how to solve that, that knot with outrage. I think we're getting better at it. But the only way to do so is to expose yourself to it. And, uh, and, and Ruth has heard me talk about it. But my methodology is to get in there until I've earned trust capital. And then I tell them I'm responsible. And uh, that is an astounding statement. Um, because uh, what it does, and we were kind of talking about this a minute ago, we were talking about faith, is it creates a gravity well. And people are drawn to it. They... Um, they basically, I'm saying, you know, I'm taking responsibility for what's going on right now. Um, however, it has to be within these parameters. And, um, and uh, they get to choose if they're going to be on the right or not. Um, but what normally doesn't happen is anybody taking responsibility. Um, and so um, it's the similar dynamic to when, you know, we hit a bottom of uncertainty. And then what we did is not tap the brakes, we stomped on the gas. And we said, we're doing this, we're going. And that confidence draws people in, it creates it creates that abundance because people can feel it. They can feel the confidence. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by how we can do a better job of helping people understand how to unlock that anti-fragile quality without necessarily having just a big old check, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, boy, that's, there's a lot there that, that I want to engage with. And, and, and part of it is, you know, how we're using language, of course is that having people take responsibility is not the same as, same as them taking blame. Right. People shy away from blame because it's like, okay, you did it wrong. You didn't fix it fast enough or whatever. Right. And that shuts you down immediately. Right. You know, as soon as you're wrong, you're like, well, I don't even want to play the game. Right. And so, so that's where, you know, using the word accountability is, is rough for people. And so I like that you said taking responsibility because right. it's like, oh, you have some ownership in a different outcome. Right. And there's still potential for it not to be the outcome you'd expect, but that's okay. Because, you know, it's like, yes, I ended up in the place I'm, I'm, I wanted to live on the day that I was supposed to be here, but I had a different journey to that day than I expected. Right. But it doesn't change the fact that I ended up where I, where I wanted to be, you know? Yep. Well, and I fact, learned a lot along the way, and, and I, I found one of the most important things for me to learn was that there's a lot of people who give a damn, right. who are like, I need to, to be a part of this in, in whatever way I can. Right. So that's awesome. And, and so um, the other is something we talked about last night, is that 
a few weeks ago, about maybe a month ago, there were some articles that came out that said 39 to 40% of the people surveyed were like, life has to be different. You know, I'm not right. going to line up with this, this old model of how I need to spend my working time. Well, just this week, you posted an article, an article that was written um, that says that now 95% of who they surveyed that's a massive change, you know, uh -huh. Dub yeah. more than double. And it's about as close to a hundred as I think you're going to get. Right. And, and so we have this, you know, as we're, you're talking about the calm model, you know, moving out of outrage. What, what's interesting to me is that we have this shared global experience called outrage. Now. Right. You know, like, like it, it has become so evident now in, some countries like in Cuba and South Africa, it's really being in Haiti, you know, it's being like physically expressed. Right. It's, it's like, you know, and, and here maybe it's not as evident physically, you know, there's not riots and, and things like that, but there's other ways that it's coming forward. So I think that we have like for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, we have this shared story of a, diff a desire for a different future and right. the tools, including the language to activate that. Right. And so I feel like that, that that has been really interesting because it's been such a short time between one outcome and another outcome. Right. And that, um, so, so where it may have been determining outrage was a more individual story and so that was why it was hard to organize around a path forward because everybody was in their version of it right. now the pattern has evolved and emerged so people can say oh wait my flavor is different than yours but it's still ice cream you know it's like we yeah. can agree on that yeah you and know. consider consider how much uh, how much um how much has been stim how much stimulation has happened in the last just year like you know the buy nothing groups are huge i mean there's a lot of that and i really love the vibe there because people will you know they'll post a picture of their you know uh, a three-legged chair and they write some funny thing and everybody laughs about it it's like this it's kind of cool um the disadvantage of course is that it's purely gift and and you're not really going to be able to use the buy nothing group if you have to pay your bills but i'm not saying that to knock the buy nothing thing there's it's really i'm astounded by um, the uh, the esprit de corps within the communities. It's great. And the mutual aid has a similar complementary esprit de corps, but it's from a different perspective. People will go looking for help and they get it, which is really cool. They don't get it every time, but there's a lot of generosity going on there. But again, the mutual aid is more of like a charity network and, and assistance thing, not much a, you know, I mean, I think we're coming in from a different direction. I don't think it's an either or. What I see is mm -hmm. if you look at it from the high level, it's people stepping forward and taking more responsibility mm -hmm. for their lives, which I actually think is healthy for our society um, because I consider it an illness that people will, I mean, I'm really not using that word lightly. I consider it an illness that people will sit in their homes and they'll complain about the government. Um, without actually getting involved in their community. It drives me crazy. They, uh, they'll complain about taxes. This is the thing that fascinates me about the so-called political divide is that both so-called sides seem to be content paying just as much impossible in taxes, basically so they have 
the right to complain about other people not doing their jobs. Like I'm just amazed by it. And um, because it seems to me that that's really what they're hoping to get out of it. It's just to not have to do any work. And so I actually think that this would be a great opportunity. I think that, you know, the more things continue to evolve in such a way that people are um, incentivized to get out of their sort of petulant state and into their communities, they might um, become less inclined to just complain about what the government is or isn't doing because because it's childish like honestly it's really annoying and uh, so yeah and, and and i think again people have to reconnect with their own complexity mm -hmm. you know and and just as as you and i have been open and vulnerable about what's going on and people go oh okay i can complexify this i can see this in them it's because it's it's activating things that already exist in themselves right and and so now we have this moment where we can create that way forward you know co-create it right? right it's not like this is the one size fits all um and that's just it's it's a process you know one of the the lexicon of future that i posted today is you is for unlearning right and understanding that you know it's safe to examine what doesn't work right and to not, you don't have to go all in and say, great, I'm going to be a warrior for the economic revolution. You know, you still have to feed your kids. You still have to keep a roof over your head. You still have to, you know, get the car running and do things like that. Right. And so it's, we're, we're, re, um, we're, we're reacquainting people with this, this space in the middle right. where it's, you know, it's not one of the things I, I, uh, noticed when i was back working in corporate life is that if you ever wanted to crash a printer you had to and at least on a mac it was like you had to choose you know millions of shades of gray to print it uh -huh. and, and 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 that would you could put all the colors in the world and the printer's like i could do this all day right. and then you're like million shades of gray and it's like oh good lord you right. know um and and that's how we are is we have to get comfortable with these millions of shades of gray uh-huh and say which is ours and we don't have to capture all of them we just have to select some and then share that with people and they bring theirs and all of a sudden you have millions of shades of gray right mm -hmm. it's all covered and nobody crashes right so so that's where um i think that that we are is that this awareness this this is it's dawning mm -hmm. and it's activating empathy you know just by by nature as you align with your complexity you start believing hey i bet other people have this too that was actually our opening yeah. conversation in the podcast exactly. it's like a, a yeah. woman you know a woman we, we opened our podcast what 27 episodes ago or whatever back in october mm -hmm. where a woman you know she has a rough day she's like i mean she's pulling out all stops trying to keep her nose above water and it's just not working so she sits at the table and she's like i can't deal so she goes for a walk and then there's a certain point where she starts seeing her neighbors for the first time because she's always thought that she lived in a neighborhood but she really just lived in an economic zone but at some point she has enough there's something happens the switch is flipped and she has enough empathy finally to recognize that there's other people who have an experience just like her own um that phenomenon is called Sonder, by the way. Everybody has a life just as engrossing as your own, right? And uh, so she asked herself, that person looks like me. I wonder if they feel like me. 
And that actually mm -hmm. is that thing that that that's that threshold from being from from me to we, right? That's really what we're encouraging here. It might be the lesson of our lifetime is the importance for us to find our neighbor and work with one another. Like I'm really thinking that's probably the lesson here, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. <laughs> And, and, and that's it. And I'm glad you used the word complicated, you know, because the difference between complexity and complications is that we're not, we, we take complications and we're not fully expressing our complexities, you know, because that energy, if, if, if you believe as I believe that water seeks its own level, right. then that energy has to be expressed somehow, right. you know, and it tends to come into this form called complications because we're we're you know we're natural problem solvers. Mm -hmm. We're naturally, you know, curious, um, and we want to kind of uh, and that that led to fire. So I hear and wheels and things like that. Right. And um, so here we are. We're in this this um, society where we've been acculturated to convenience, and and only looking at the desired outcome. Like I'm hungry, I'll go to Amazon because it's faster than me and safer perhaps health-wise for me than going to the grocery store and I'll have this food delivered to me. So it's not really hunting and gathering, you know, you're not really engaging with your environment in the same way. Right. And so what leads to that is like, okay, so now maybe we have some, um, some chronic health issues. Maybe we have immune system, you know, all those things that come from not actually engaging Right. fully with the complexity of the, of the opportunity well there's there's a it's popular um nowadays for people to talk about things being transactional but it's worth sort of expanding on that just a little bit um transactional um as it pertains to what we would call hard capital or money is that people are taught they believe something happens between being a child and an adult where you're taught that if you have money you can buy things and that extends to the point where people believe that if you have money you don't have uncertainty and that goes to the point where people feel, feel entitled to have a life without uncertainty which I actually don't think i don't think is healthy actually because it means that you're technically living a life without faith um, and I actually think faith is the water we swim in. It's like, basically, it's just, it's, it's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have um, trust and we're supposed to, we're supposed to live within faith. And that's hard for people, man. People don't like it. They'll, they'll, they'll nod their head. They'll go, oh yeah, I understand faith. I went to seminary or I go to church. They really actually, that's not at all what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is um, taking a leap of faith and, and trusting your neighbor that they might be able to help you out. Um, and knowing that, that that might not work out and then brushing yourself off and doing it again right and uh and keep trying and so what we are in, in terms of this current point in history is that um there is a very actually large number of people who uh don't have the additional money to just buy their way out of uncertainty and that's of course creating a lot of uncertainty and then there's this like high level discussion about like you know what you know, where can we pit our hopes? You know, is it on some political system or another? Like, you know, whatever, I don't think so. I think this is actually a lot more straightforward. What we're presenting is a way that people can work together in small communities um, to, to, to basically just make things happen. And what's mm -hmm. really great, it actually came up last night in the discussion. Um, <laughs> uh, Jennifer said, she was just totally right. She's like, this this formula basically just undercuts all of the political divisiveness, which is true. I mean, you just can't, that's actually one of our most popular podcasts asked the question, is this communism? The truth is no, it's not any of those things. It's like no more communist than a church group. Like, 
like the thing is it's just people working together which is how we're supposed to do it and it's really no more complicated than that i mean this is the astounding thing the astounding part of this whole deal the anti-climax all this work we're putting into it is probably how people structured their affairs for millennia <laughs> like like that's, that's it's crazy crazy to me that that's we're so trained to buy our way out of everything that what we actually had to do is put together a playbook on how to just live by faith basically <laughs> that's amazing well, you know again and that goes back to convenience yeah and what is the cost of convenience is uh, that we've disconnected from these other parts of our complexity where um we just think well if i have enough money it's just all going to work out well that's going to bring its own storylines and yeah speaking of faith you know the night before i was going to get this final move done i had to just kind of surrender to faith that it was all going to work out right I didn't have, you know, I, I could have stayed where I was. I was invited to do so. And I could have, there's a lot of things I could have done. But what I did is I made it, you know, I connected with people and said, this is what's going on. And just, they showed up like in amazing ways. Yeah. And, and that I truly believe, and, you know, this is definitely where people kind of think I'm, I'm a ridiculous what I call optimist prime is that it always people want to be part of something good. Right. And they, and, and they don't do it from a, um, a presumption of payback. You know, it's more like, huh, this is where that empathy kicks in. And right. they're like, there's going to be a moment or there has been a moment in my life where I need, I'm just going to need people to show up right. and do, do the work. So it, but it's, but it's not, nobody keeps track of it. You know, right. it's more just like, oh, this is kind of, this is like a, um, like a community bank, like in, uh, with the 214 Alpha uh, platform is to be able to have this community fund that emerges. Yeah. And yeah. And trust that people are going to find the right way to use that. Yeah. And, you know, where you could get a loan using only your, uh, your reputation as collateral, right? Which is I how mean, it used to be. Okay. Which is how it used to be. You know, so you were saying two days before the potluck, you were hitting that thing. If you remember exactly at that same point, two days before I did the thing that you're never supposed to do. The CEO is never supposed to get into the software. Like, like mm -hmm. that's like usually off limits. But anyway, I got, I've been set up a development environment. I got into the code and then I was astounded to realize that not only do we have a mobile app, but we actually can run it on the desktop, which actually according to our mm -hmm. roadmap, isn't supposed to happen for another year. And that's really good news because where our target isn't young people, it's actually people like Pam, frankly, people in their sixties and seventies, because in our experience, those are the people that really get things done. And just, you know, they've been through life. They don't seem to understand fear the way that younger people do. And but the, the big challenge, of course, is how to actually develop that in an app. I mean, mobile devices are handy, but I mean, you know, <laughs> but anyway, I was like, at the same time that you were going through your thing, I was, I was sitting here at the desk going, oh my God, we have a, we have a desktop app and it's more fully featured than the mobile. And let's be honest, that is how people are going to engage with this. Right, right, right. You know, it's like, right. because most, um, most people want a bigger interface. Right. If they're going to be getting into uh, explicit work. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so I think for the quick engagement for the, the transactional stuff, sure, a phone's great. Right. But you need to have a bigger visual field. Right. Especially if you're going to be working with people that are over 50. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that that's where, at least that's the message I got, I get from people that are, you know, not, they're not, 
digital and analog, they're still pretty analog in their world, right. is they're like, this is not even designed for me. Why should I care about it? Right. You know, there's no consideration of how they want to interact with it. So um, the fact that it works so well on the desktop is really powerful. <laughs> Yeah. And it was a surprise. It was just an example of, we took a leap of faith. So like really this podcast is about like how we have lived anti-fragile principles as we have launched communities. And we have been our stated intention the entire time to do our own pilot community. And then all of a sudden we have two and right. I mean, I just talked mm -hmm. about one, two, three, seven. And then at the next increment is actually two separate groups of five to seven. And that, um, that is like, it's, it's a different no, it's definitely <laughs> happening. And then the thing is, I'm looking at actually over the course of 12 months, the community activation and launch methodology actually does things in three month increments. And we're actually right now we're in the seed phase, which is actually community activation. So we're actually activating the administrative team. The administrative team are going to be mm -hmm. the people that are not just reviewing applications to join the app and looking at the marketplace, but they're the ones that make decisions about where all that money is going to go because we're giving them a business plan. And we have now two teams, which is not what we originally expected. Um, we actually potentially have three. That's like a separate one that I kind of have to talk to you about, yeah. but it's like, okay. it's happening and it's all in the same city. Um, and so then we are doing outreach and education and building membership. That's actually our next two potlucks, which is, I don't think it's going to be three months out actually. I think it's going to be sooner. Um, and then that's actually when we're activating the, the digital identity and the chat functions just to start onboarding people. And then we, then we go right into the root phase. That's actually at three months. And that's where we launch a buy local first program. But there's a twist on this. It's not just buy local first. Is that every time you tick the ticker, money drops in that account for the community. And so the primary beneficiary is the community. And, and this is something where people will say, oh, hey, that's actually for us. That money's for us. It's for our community. Well, and, and, and actually, it's not just buy local first, it's produce local first. Well, yeah, technically, and that's the growth. And then it becomes source local first. It's technically you know? so the growth. make sure that those three oh, no. layers are... Oh, yeah, no, no, you're, that's, you're definitely... So we've got four phases, seed, root, grow, sustain. So seed mm -hmm. is zero through three months. Root is three to six months. That's the local buy local first program. And, and, and that's activating the marketplace and the payment systems and, and collecting the transaction fees. And then at six months, there's a pivot to say, now that we're generating those fees, let's start stimulating local producers. And that's where we would go to people in the community and say, you know, you have an amazing recipe. Would you consider scaling it up 10 times and turning this into a home business? And that's how we would replicate the success that, that Ruth had a decade ago with Community Renaissance Market, where she got to use a commercial kitchen or a bakery to actually help people scale these. Again, as a reminder, she helped incubate like 90 businesses, right? Um, and then, so at nine months, we, we, we twist and we go to the sustain phase, which is where we're growing and diversifying the market um, and, and actually encouraging people to source their inventory internal to the community and their services internal. Like we're having a conversation with some First Nations folks uh, up in Mohawk country and, and, and saying, you know, just because you could get an experienced accountant in Toronto, wouldn't you just want to use somebody from the reserve? Um, and, and that would be the recommendation we would have is really try to do that, to tie that into the, the, the economy. But what that does in, in a phase that we call sustain is actually an anti-fragile um, step. Because mm -hmm. if you're able to sustain state while the system continues degrading, it's technically anti-fragile, right? Because it demonstrates exactly what we're talking about. But I'm actually looking at Kelly's 
flyer here that has it all. It's illustrated. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. She did such great work. I'm so happy. It says we activate oh, the virtual marketplace in four phases over 12 months. Oh, it's so happy about this. And 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 what's what I, I'm so happy about too is that Kelly did the logo for Community Renaissance Market along with Liam and her team. Right. And this is kind of a, a great full circle. Right. And um and and, and that's where you know, you may not, your, your relationships with people emerge and evolve over time, right. but this is when you respect what people do and you give them the room to express more of who they are, they right. never let you down. Right. You know, they're, they're always bringing things that you can't even, you didn't even think about because I look at, you know, and I wrote that piece CRMV 2.14, because right. absolutely, I think that 10 years ago had a tool had had, had uh, 214 alpha been available community renaissance market would be everywhere now it would have you know because it provides all of the um, transparency that's needed to actually run an authentic and sustainable organization yeah and that just was not part of the the, the story but the beauty part is, is that with, with Kelly, she knows the whole story of CRM, of Community Renaissance right. Market. She now knows the, the much bigger story of 214 Alpha. So she's uniquely positioned and she's participating in one of the communities, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's, a, it's this magic thing. Right. And But what we're all bound together by is this invisible greater story of this can happen. Yeah, You know, there's a commitment to that potential that is actually deepening and and muscling up that potential so it's no longer it's now into moving into a reality yeah so i i do think that that's a big part of why we're these other people are showing up because it's no longer this kind of you know distant foggy vision it's tightening and it's clearing and you're going oh wow these people are like me yeah you know, well, I'm not coming from some distant storyline well we're we're you know one of the things at the beginning of the year ruth and trudy and i wanted to really set you know intentions for what we would what we would do in this year one of them was to, to really help the complexity of each person emerge and that's really something that we do that really because the people we're talking about are peers in the very fullest form is it like what i kind of like what pam says but I, I, I there's something about the language i don't like the person that's more important than the leader are the first first follower but i don't like follower i want i want peers i want people because i like the servant leadership methodology right i like that to me it appeals to me um trudy i can speak of i've learned so much about her i'm astounded by her complexity and one of the things that amazes me is how many people have completely overlooked her she's just for mm -hmm. some reason easy to overlook but she's i'm astounded at her depth right and you're the same way i mean you're there's a lot to ruth man i really dig it but the same thing with Kelly, right? Kelly has like mm -hmm. this amazing stuff. And then Jennifer, like, I mean, she actually has hands-on experience and a passion, actually a deep, deep hearted passion for the importance of forms of soft capital that are transcendent to actual transactional stuff. And she's actually got that experience. And this is a hell of a team, right? And mm -hmm. Jason, geez, Jason is really actually, I mean, I, I love this, by the way, we were asking Kelly about outrage and Jason jumped in and said, I'll tell you what my outrage is. And then he actually shared how much outrage he has about how much Kelly's value has been overlooked, you know? Uh -huh. And um, I mean, just all this, I mean, it's like such a solid team. This is an investment in a foundation and that foundation, uh -huh. the, the next phase, it's now 
going to split into two groups of about five to seven because because at that next step it's not us leading it we're going to help them be successful and they're going to thrive knowing that we are at their backs and this is shared attribution it's a sense of ownership it's a, a sense of responsibility it's all that stuff so we're definitely heading in that direction um and, and we have definitely crossed that that point of inflection so it's it's fabulous how it's coming together and this has happened without an infusion of money that's the part that is really cool about this well, you know and and we're practicing what we preach yes. because there are people who are interested in putting money and let's let's be clear on that but we're being very discerning about who and why indeed you know so that it doesn't just get swamped by this this unbalanced capital infusion yeah. and um so because because it's really tempting i mean let's be honest it's like it gives you oxygen you know it kind of like you get to exhale in a different way and it still comes with its own complications you know you have to be really authentic and cognizant about who and what you're inviting in right and so when you know as, as you have said that that people when you had the skateboard um playbook and it, <laughs> the people are like immediately turned to the funding section because they're like we're just attuned to that we're entrained right. to do that but you know it, that value doesn't activate until you've done the previous steps because you don't you know it, like if, if you say that well my outrage is i don't have money that's not really it you, right. there, there's it's more complex than that's where trudy's you know talents come in is she can kind of keep you know rooting that discerning it and saying and why is that you know right. and how is that and kind of get that and so you see people that are um you know obviously it's like if somebody has been starving they immediately eat but then they they can't keep it in their system so it's it's about making yourself ready and that's why the calm process is so important i understand the urgency because certainly i've been there and, and as i've moved and everything you know that's like yes money you know that's helpful it, it, it kind of is a very short-term solution right. if you're not ready to actually balance it with your bigger story yeah no you're correct there is there are no small number of people that are interested in um in supporting us they just haven't yet and the point i was um, making is that all the progress we made was made without an infusion of funding which ironically makes mm -hmm. it more likely we'll get funding on our terms because we are on a vector to do this without funding. <laughs> so this is the funny thing about this. Like, I'm pretty sure that we will get the funding we need, but the, the more we continue on this path, the more we'll be able to negotiate it on our terms because we won't need the funding. Like that's definitely our plan of record. And yeah, I, you know, yeah, I think and banks will always loan you money if you have the money in the bank already. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, so it's, um, uh, I just, I, um, and we're doing just exactly this sort of thing an investor wants to hear. Are you actually, are you actually, do you actually have people that would help you? One of the people that was in attendance last night that we haven't talked about actually has significant experience with uh, um, uh, technology enabled operations. And she and I had a great conversation offline about, you know, how that scales because operations is the thing that, man, people don't, they overlook operations, but that's an important part. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting a lot of work into this. So, uh, I know that that's what an investor would look like, look for. Like how how well 
you know, can you train the trainer? How well does this scale out and having the same deterministic uh, outcomes? And, you know, when I talk about us having the community activation and launch, launch methodology, and that stuff is all written up, like so you can go to 214calm.org and see a lot of it. But I mean, what's not on there is that like literally hundreds of pages that Trudy's put together. It's, it's the whole check by checklist, you know, step-by-step mm -hmm. worksheets, the whole deal. Um, you know, we've, we've built out enough of this train the trainer stuff. We have a lot of material. We actually have technology. We have now two, possibly three pilot communities. Pretty soon we're going to have money going drop, 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 drop in the bucket mm -hmm. that demonstrates that the whole thing works. Um, and, um, you know, geez, man, it's just really coming together. And, and yeah, and it wasn't, and, it, and it's not because, you know, Daddy Warbucks wrote me a million dollar check. It's because we did it the old fashioned way, like while fixing cars and couch surfing. That's, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. stoked about it, you know. <laughs> well, and, and, and everything, um, when you're activating those invisible, invisible capitals, you know, I know that a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth about being a capitalist, but a lot of it is because we've only been exposed to one version of it you know where it's 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 mean and it's it's cutting and it's ex exclusive and it denies all of these other things we are talking about these invisible capitals that are really activated when you engage with people and it's you know we've been entrained to think that only that which makes us immediate money is valuable and that's a really short-term way of looking at life. And certainly you need to have enough. And that's where with the buy nothing, it's a great in theory, but in practice, you have to pay your rent. You, right. know, you have to pay right. the bills, you have to pay daycare, whatever. Right. And so it feels like it, it's, it's, it's just limited in people's ability to engage with it. And it's not to say that it can't be part of a strategy, right? you know, because there's certainly ways to it because you're building that invisible capital. So down the line, you know, you have those connections. Right. And, um, and we saw that during the snowpocalypse that people were, I mean, mutual aid just, you know, blew up. It was, right. it's like, people were like, man, I can be of service in a way that's a meaning or the woman who came to your door a couple of months ago to thank you for those thermal blankets, which now in Texas in July, we're like, no, thank you very much. Right. You know? right. um, but it, 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 it impressed her, you know, it impressed them and said, oh, wait, there, there's a, a, an exchange here. And right. you certainly didn't demand anything of it. It was a big surprise to you. And yeah. so, but what a happy surprise, you know? And so, so that's where, as, as we're talking about capital, you know, I know that turns some people off, but it's just like, maybe we've not been given the whole story, right? Maybe we have to reclaim it as to what's really important because it's, right. you know, when they were, when we're, they're founding communities, you know, the most important thing you can have back in the day to start is water. Right. And you weren't considered, you know, it's not like you excluded people because they couldn't afford water. What you did is you took a look at what your water uh, footprint was and said, this is how many people we can support on this water. Mm -hmm. So it became a tool to actually create community, not to exclude people from participating. But isn't that the so root of the a, word that you yeah, said? Yeah, it is. It's the root Wele. of the Wele, which is? Wele. It's welcome and wealth and welcome. So I mean, that's that's an important thing. It's almost, yeah. almost reiterating is that the, the, the footprint, the availability of water 
was the yeah. was a basis by which the old communities would quantify how far they could extend their welcome. Exactly. And and so it's interesting our conversations with Patrick talking about um, calibrating a um, um, an economic footprint to a watershed, which is one of my favorite mm -hmm. things. Actually, is a real full circle experience. I dig it because we can actually pull this off, right? I mean, I really like this. You know, um, it's an unexpected. Uh, twist to you know i mean it's easy for people to sit around and say see empires fail and i'm like okay well that's one way of looking at it um but what <laughs> if but what if what happens instead is this basically redistribution of responsibilities that puts a greater emphasis on personal responsibility instead of just a bunch of petulant children um complaining about the government yeah and um i mean that I, that would be my that would be my preference so well, and, and, and again, it, it's, it's like, how do we create more inclusion? How do we create more accountability, um, you know, for how we are using our resources? How are we using our gifts? And, you know, why do we think that only certain people have the gifts? It's like they're, they're available to everybody, but we have to be responsible in the way we engage. And it's an understand and value each of those things that are brought forward yeah. and not to over, you know, because when you get out of balance, if you say, oh, whoever has the most money must be the smartest person and what you just listen to that person. And it's like, right. or it's someone who has the best understanding of the existing system right. who is accumulating these resources and trying to impose their will on others. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really lead to happy times, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, well, this is this is a really great chat, actually. Um, I've kind of got my head around. Um, I'm, I'm like, it's it's not even accurate to say exponential because there's a whole other dimension to this. I'm having a hard time getting my head around because what we're actually doing because it's it's not like these two pilots are the only things we've got going right now. So it's like uh, um, I'm, I'm really almost wanting to like sign off just so I can get my head around some of the structures mm -hmm. that are coming together in my head because what we're doing is helping others like the outcome of the the meal we had last night was actually go and immediately share the things that we've learned to help improve the effectiveness of the other communities we're working with um and and in each phase like we talked about last night like what we're going to do at the next meals here in in austin is have two separate ones with five to seven people for each community right um but the emphasis should be on the people um you know, uh, Jennifer and, and, and Kelly themselves actually sharing it as a leader with just knowing that we've got their back, right? And then the next one is to have that five to seven teach others. And in my experience, this is actually how this works, is that one learns by teaching. So in each iteration, it gets more simple and more easy to understand. And 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 I'm like, I'm already got my head around kind of how that comes together. And uh, so I'm excited about it because it's actually again, the anticlimax is I'm pretty sure this is how people structured their affairs for millennia. So, um, so, hey, it's a good podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we're definitely speaking as we live, right? Indeed, indeed. So uh, anyways, good talking to you and um, yeah. looking forward to our walk tonight. And uh, I'm probably gonna yeah. sit in a creek later. Tomorrow's my birthday, woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and uh, you know, you're good at that. You're good at Birthdays. grace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super good at birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> For the time being, I'm really good at kicking those off. All right. 
Okay, well, this has been fun. Um, it has been good. Yeah. It's been a long time since we did this, so I'm yeah. glad that we're back back going. But you know, you got to do the work to report about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. All right, see you.